Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, hi there, I'm Ricky from Salisbury, um, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Uh, my question is, do you think cancel culture is, is fair? And do you think it's fair how some people, you know, they just get cancelled for sharing their opinions, even if people don't agree with them? Um, okay, here comes the show. And uh, remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka Dehiza, hello, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we are talking everything from. We are talking everything from Ricky from Salisbury's question. Do you think cancel culture is fair? And do you think it's fair that people should get cancelled for sharing their opinions, good or bad? Uh, <laughs> Ricky. Thanks, mate. How are we supposed to do that in a minute, Dane? We've got to get the guest on. Um, I'll, I'll try. We'll try and. Keep, I'll try and keep it as brief as possible because I'm the one who struggles with brevity. Uh, the first question being: Do you think that cancel culture is fair? I don't think it's fair or unfair. I think cancel culture only has power over the people that believe in cancel culture. If uh, someone tries to cancel you, you don't care who they are; they can't cancel you. Um, so. So far as opinions being good or bad, I feel like the real issue is about opinions in that you are entitled to have an opinion, but should be aware of expressing that opinion. You can have consequences for said opinion. That's why their opinions are not facts, because facts are indefensible, whereas opinions are subjective. Well, there you go, Ricky. Take that one and put that in your cancel culture pipe and you know, blaze it. Uh, but suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, including yours, Ricky. Hope you enjoyed that. Absolutely. No question is too good, too bad, or too opinionated. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. We can hear all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a broadcaster and journalist known best for her roles on Loose Women and The One Show. She has worked across a wealth of shows within entertainment, children, and current affairs, and has been co-starring with her mum, Mavis, on Dirty Rotten Scammers, which explores the world of cyber-enabled fraud, hacking, and other internet-led crime, fighting the good fight, both in real life and online. Please welcome to the show, Ms. Michelle Ackley. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. What a lovely introduction. Welcome. Uh, have, you, have you been cancelled for anything uh, that we should know <laughs> not, about? Not yet. Give it time. Who knows? Maybe after this podcast. Perfect. Well, that'll get some headlines. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure someone's had the opinion you should be cancelled. But again, if you aren't willing to indulge that opinion, who cares? I thought so. you said that very well, actually. You know, it's it's about not caring, isn't it? But sometimes we do. Well, the issue isn't about council culture. The issue is about people having a sense of shame and uh, having a sense of, I suppose, uh, there, there is a should be a common uh, level of decency that everybody has. But mm. if people tend to kind of flout that, I suppose that's why we call for people to be cancelled 
But really, again, you know, you can be cancelled, but it depends who you're being cancelled too. You know, there's a lot. I was of, just gonna, yeah. yeah. Where do they go? These people when they cancel, like where, where do they actually go? Exactly, that's the point, Michelle. Because like I've heard of like comedians like uh, Jim Davidson, for example, complain about cancel culture. You've been doing this for over 25 years, so if right. you have, a, if you know you have an audience that like what you're saying, just go to them directly. In the same way that yeah. people can contact you directly on social media, on digital media, and cancel you, the people that support you can go and continue to do so. So, you know, so true in, the, in this world where you can anonymously bankroll people that commit mass shootings and uh, police officers that take innocent lives. I feel like it's not too hard to continue a career if you've been cancelled, so to speak. I think people just like saying it now as well. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I've been cancelled. I've been cancelled. You know, and then it's like it's we're all getting on the bandwagon and feel sorry for the cancelled person. And almost that's a thing in itself now. There's another storyline kind of gearing up about... What what we call the the, the cancellation is I don't know what you'd call yeah, it. Yeah, I describe it as cancel culture. I describe it as cancel culture culture. Which cancel, is cancel culture is the digital equivalent of being a suicide bomber. It's just being it's just doing martyrdom because you want to get in paradise and be reviled, revered, revered by other people that share your views. So it's yeah. just like it's making yourself a martyr deliberately. So mm. that's all cancel culture is really is and yeah. it's because it's easier to be a. Uh, easy to be a victim than a failure unfortunately and to paint yourself as a victim is much easier than saying i made a mistake and that's the thing council culture really is somebody again giving over their accountability to an external party and being like i could have changed but they counseled me before i could (laughs) people just don't like saying sorry do they that's it oh what that is a brilliant (laughs) (laughs) that is a brilliant version of the whole story it required the mancunian (laughs) A Mancunian inflection as well to yeah. say people just don't like saying sorry, do they? Yeah. That's the be- You put it even more succinctly than I could have done, well, Michelle. You know it what, is what it is. <laughs> you know what, Michelle? It's probably time for a question. Uh, as the format of this show dictates, Dane. Absolutely, Michelle. As our very esteemed guest, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you like, whether it's based in fact or opinion, which we'd like to discuss for about 15 minutes and some change. Then Howard, my producer friend, would like to pose a question to you as well, which we'd like to discuss for the same amount of time. And keeping with tradition, I would like to pose a question to you that we discuss for about 15 minutes and then we'd love for you to tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your good works past, present and future. How does that sound? It sounds very clear, very thorough. I understand fully. Thank it's a you format very much. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. format. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly where I'm up to, which is great. Lovely. Um, so I'll start with my question then, mm-hmm. after your instructions. My question to you guys is, do you think a person's success can be in part deemed by a great stage presence. And, and, and has this been inspired, this question, by anything in particular, Michelle? <laughs> well, the way of the world at the moment, especially with the politicians. Uh, I was watching, uh, I was watching huh. the news recently and uh, Boris Johnson, former prime minister, did his parting speech. And uh, as part of it, he said, you know, I have um, fulfilled the role and I leave now like a, a rocket, you know, <laughs> jetting off into space. And it was, I mean, the language was like, well, this is what happened. I was watching it with other people in the room and it was so interesting seeing the reactions because some people were like, what a guy, you know, he's so confident with the way he holds himself. And it was more about his kind of fluid language and and description and the way he was holding himself then actually everything that's been going on in the past three years especially let's be honest so yeah it's I think it's an interesting question yeah it's a very interesting question I mean just thinking about Boris Johnson and you know kind of 
I mean, does does shit float? I don't know if shit floats. Or shit, shit does float. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, interesting. Just I've seen, I've seen yeah. shit float. So he yeah. floats basically because he's so full of shit. That if you yeah. put Boris Johnson on any body of water, he will just float happily. Yeah, or or deny that he's even in water, or deny that he's a piece of shit. So yeah, <laughs> but the, yeah. The, 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 the subject you're bringing up it, it is fascinating because ultimately, you know, all uh, stage presence is, I would say, is 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 about confidence, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, Dame on stage, a very confident man. I mean, if you counted the amount of comedy gigs you've performed in your life, I haven't. Which I always felt weird when people did that. Yeah, I just uh, find it funny yeah. to think that we're probably in like what we're entering. Five digits, potentially? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. you can go and work yeah. that out. But I'd imagine, yeah, definitely five digits at, at, at this point. But yeah, yeah again... In the 10,000 time. So Dane's yeah. day stage presence, like, no, you know, you know, just to make it clear, it's not bullshit, right? Because he's done it 10,000 times, right? Yeah, so he's got that, it down to a T. So he should be confident, right? He should have bravado. You should be like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to come up here and be funny. I've done it 10,000 times, right? Whereas you think about it with, like, these politicians, right, where ultimately... They they don't have anything to really back up what they're getting up there to say because mm. I mean if anyone can tell listeners please write in and tell us things that politicians have done that have been good or right or correct because I'm oh, gonna yeah. struggle to think of any. It's uh, so tricky. I was listening to Liz Truss's. Um, would you call it an acceptance speech? Mm. I don't know. When you get kind of um, you could you could argue that because polit- politics is for is uh, basically celebrity for ugly people. As it was, that's, how people, that's what people used to say that politics is for people too ugly to be celebrities so we can call it an acceptance speech and we can call it an acceptance speech and, co- and considering that there was that her vote was put down to a panel as opposed to actually her being democratically elected I'd say yeah it was an acceptance speech yeah it's, it's, it's a fair description um, as part of her, her speech she was saying I, I don't know whether she'd just kind of forgotten what she wanted to talk about because she said <laughs> we can deliver but then she paused and she said it about three or four more times. You know, I mean, I've done that when I'm just trying to get my words together, think, what am I saying next here? And she's just like, we can deliver, we can deliver, we can deliver. <laughs> it's yeah. like a stuck yeah. record. I'm thinking, this doesn't, this isn't great stage presence to mm. me, Liz. Do, no. I don't know that much about you, but your stage presence is lacking here. I've heard, I've heard your first sentence. I mean, from your description. Deliver. Yeah. I don't need to hear it again. Sounds like again, you might be a fucking again. robot, uh, Michelle, potentially, <laughs> yeah. which is worrying uh, because... AI is, is if one thing's doing well at the moment it's AI right they're yeah, really definitely. going places if you wanted to vote for a party at the moment the AI party is looking pretty appealing I mean yeah. it's, it's the way more it's reliable it's, it's the way it's going to go eventually anyway yeah. and uh, but I mean but obviously politics is very different to how uh, the binary nature of uh, algorithms but uh yeah, because they they work in zeros and ones, mm. and politics is pretty yes. much people just talking within a great area. But give it another twenty years, and there'll be like an Agent Smith, like of the Matrix kind of character. Yeah, that's presented to us by the robots yeah, as a new. Leader. I mean, we, we, we say, yeah. but we say this, but I think we're already at a point now where bots already say stuff to support. Uh, the things that people say yeah, of course. and add to that confidence totally. and stage presence even though what they says has no factual basis because it's very easy to pick up on like the existence of a bot where whatever uh, Boris Johnson does there'll always be a few people whose profiles always incidentally have either a picture of a knight from the Crusades and an Israeli flag and an American flag and an English flag yeah. and they're like I back Boris or even when back Boris trended online and then when you actually looked at the trend the nature of the, the tweets like most of the people that were saying I back Boris had no, never tweeted anything else in their entire life and had all, uh, no. and had all mysteriously joined Twitter three months ago. 
Mm. So um, it's very strange, that isn't it? It's very, it's very strange. So very I think the mysterious. point about I think, I think the point about AI being assisting in uh, political affairs we're definitely past the point. But I think, so far as the stage presence, I, I agree with Howard. I think a large part of it comes to confidence. And I think a lot of that confidence, particularly when we're talking about people in the political class, stems from uh, elitism and the kind of environments that they are brought up in or uh, are allowed to thrive in. So in Boris Johnson's case, um, being someone who's maybe been, is he Etonian educated? Being Etonian educated as well as being a member of the Bullingdon Club, I think it is a part and parcel that um, it is... Uh, you are inculcated with a sense of superiority with the people that you speak to. And I think that goes all the way back to like feudal times where we had a much clearer or uh, explicit hierarchical social structure where you would have like your nobles and then you'd have vassals and you'd have your peasantry. And I think that's gone on for so long that uh, it's become a learned behavior, particularly amongst human beings, that when someone Mm. takes a stage, we presume that they have a level of intellectual or moral superiority. That's why preachers... Even though, you know, Christian doctrine is supposed to be kind of socialist in nature, like we're all the same, preachers always speak from a pulpit, which is like an elevated place Mm. in the church, which is in a place which is finely crafted and looking down on everybody else. So a lot of time, if you are addressed from high up, you know, even when we look at like even how biblical scriptures, how, you know, biblical doctrine has been described in the Bible itself. It's like from on high, on high. The idea is that someone is speaking from an elevated position. So it becomes an under behavior that if we have to look after somebody, literally, just as we use the turn of phrase, we believe what they say. And I think people like Boris Johnson are brought up in an environment where they already approach these uh, spaces with a sense of superiority uh, and also... I think it's a part of training that there's certain languages used. So I think some people may have natural stage presence and they're able to thrive in that space. But I think Mm -hmm. particularly in the case of politicians, there is a level of training where most politicians will pick their occupation first before they pick the party they'll be a member of. Liz Truss being Mm -hmm. an example of that because she was initially a liberal Democrat and is this. She's also the child of both a professor and someone who has campaigned for nuclear to reduce nuclear proliferation only to go on to exploiting an opportunity where she can be the prime minister. And you go from being aligned with liberal Democrat ideology to now being like, yeah, I'll shoot nukes if I need to. I'll, I'll, I'll tax corporations even less. We will, and we will deliver. Now the deliver part is, I think a part of that programming, which is uh, uh, called, um, it's neuro-linguistic programming, where when someone is being trained to uh, be a public orator, they tend to repeat words so that mm. people associate those words with them. So even though she's not spoken on any policies or really has no plan or strategy to affect any positive policies or progressive policies for Britain, she just keeps saying deliver. So most Britons think you just begin to make a synaptic link between Liz Truss will deliver. And she doesn't necessarily have yeah. to keep it, it keeps it very ambivalent. But it was a great choice of name, isn't it? Truss. Because you're one letter away from trust, right? Yeah but, like, trust. yeah, but you can trust things. You can trust people when you know their nature. So I trust that she will fuck it up. Oh, of course. Beyond, <laughs> but beyond the belief. the person out there is like, oh, look, she's trustworthy. She's and, pretty much called trust, and isn't that's she? A, and that's the thing is that, like, it's um, a lot of the time they people are trained to speak to particular people and use what we call dog whistles or use neuro-linguistic programming. Mm. Like, even a lot of comedians do it as well. 
Like oh, I found a lot. There's a lot of comics who they'll uh, preface a sentence or an anecdote by saying, "And then the funniest thing happened," mm. which I've always yeah. taken offence to because I feel like we'll be the judge of whether or not it's the funniest thing that happened. <laughs> yeah. No. So it is fascinating, though, isn't it? It's it's the psychology of it all, and obviously this is a, you know a big thing with politicians, but I even find that in in the world of presenting when you distill it down and, and you, you were saying with comedy I've noticed that people can feel a lot more at ease the more you use their name you mm. know and and it's interesting because I'm from Manchester born and bred in Manchester my mum's a Mancunian we just do that naturally as northerners it's like you'll never mm. guess what Mavis or the, and it's just yeah. and there is that kind of Connection. It's also a working class. It's also like a working class sensibility to refer to somebody by name. It's really more of an elitist thing that you preface somebody's either their occupation or their status. So that's why, like you know, with members of royalty or monarchs, you have to use your your highness or your majesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, politicians. Well, I'll be, I'll be a doctor. You would say a doctor or a professor. So it's because of elitism that we tend to preface somebody with their title. It's only really amongst the laity that we will just use the normal honorifics of either saying someone's name or saying like mate or love or yes. buddy or brethren like these are honorifics that we've created ourselves and i think that politics have picked up on that and they're now using the same techniques which is why we've using seen it. such a increase in populism where politicians now or the people that we now appoint as leaders now don't really have anything to say or don't really use politics or use political language what they do instead is that they uh it's a lot of uh, rabble rousing where you know you'll have someone like donald trump being like we'll bring back coal or you know, but when um, you look at what you let's, know, tr- let's trust being like, I'm gonna bring back cheese. <laughs> I love pork pie. Yeah, I love pork pie because she because she, she she realizes these are all buzzwords and dog whistles that tend to uh, will be in, endear her to a uh, the vote the the politically mobile and also people who may not necessarily be politically astute. But they're aware of stuff like, well, if my beer's going to be cheaper, you know, people who are lower on the uh, hierarchy of Maslow's needs, like, you know, homes, no immigration, like none of these things have real substance to them mm. as, as man- policies. But what they tend to do instead is that it, it can just engage certain people. So I think, yeah, with the whole thing about stage presence, I think part of it is people naturally maybe either being able to have a high level of emotional intelligence and rapport build very quickly with an audience they're addressing and that's something you learn through experience like I've had to learn through comedy and how to bring people on side or relax them Michelle you know and and, you know you mentioned loose women right you know which is you know uh, I, I talk about kind of having stage presence and like it's almost like a weird you know, not to compare it to politicians, but it's a weird thing, something like Lisa Women, because you, your audience trusts you guys, you know? And, mm. and when new people come onto the show, they're going to got to win the trust of the audience, right, as well as the people they do it with. And it's, you know, you've got to have some some stage presence to be on that show, eh? It's a funny one with me, because I, I think, you know, I, I've presented for many years now, but I, I still wouldn't necessarily describe myself as somebody that has a lot of stage presence. Um, it's it, like, I feel like I'm quite good at connecting with people one-on-one, but on that kind of stage, which as you say, like Loose Women live live television programs are that stage. Um, if I get too much into my head, it, I can be like, oh my God. And that's why I do find it fascinating when you look at politicians. As you said, there's, you know, there's a separate reason why they are who they are and they do what they do. But I almost wish I could just pop into their brain for a day and just experience what it is like to be in that sphere. Maybe there's some kind of positive nugget I can take out of that and pop it into my 
well, what, actual real life brain and what, then use it you know, within my say, world. What I would say, Michelle, is the likelihood if you spent that day is that you would come out going, I am fucking glad I don't have anything <laughs> to do with that world. Because, I'm sure I would. Because yeah. I tell you why, and this isn't me defending them. Yeah. I'm just making that clear to you, Dan, in case you think I'm defending the politicians. You've, we've watched across all media, pretty much, the corruption of people in positions of power come out again and again and again. I mean, that list, I won't start doing the list, but we know where that list begins and where it ends, right? Imagine, <laughs> you know, they, they intoxicated people. People can be yeah. intoxicated with the power they had in media, you know, and did horrible things with it. Look at what, fuck me, the politicians. I mean, it's just that on another scale, like another yeah. level. Well, I, mean, I mean, that's partly their job anyway. The thing, the thing is about when we talk about uh, politics and politicians, I think I think it kind of becomes quite problematic because we tend to... The problem is that we create this uh, compartmentalization of these people and these institutions. And by doing that, I think we can give over too much power to them, which allows them to avoid a certain level of human accountability. Sounds like communism to me there, Dane. Don't show that, mate. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does, it does sound like <laughs> communism. But the thing is, yeah, it, does, it, does, it does. But then yeah. at the same time, it's like the idea that one... But then, you know, it also looks like communism when you have to bail out banks or when your government gives money to uh, people to make PPE when it's like, really, should this even be monetized in the first place if we need to make people survive a global exactly, pandemic? Yeah. So um, for well, me, I just think, yeah, it's, it's uh, in terms of their mind and how the stage presence is, I think a large part of that is the... Uh, yeah, I think it's the, the the state of being that they're in. The presence is more about the presence in their mind. And I think for politicians, I think stage presence is a good point because I think they see the whole thing as a stage presentation. It's essentially a pitch. And so all they are doing is yeah. doing a sales pitch to bring people on side. It's just that unfortunately it's the uh it's the it's a battle for uh human consciousness. Yeah, well said, but, mate. Yeah, well and said. And what you what you touched on earlier about emotional intelligence I think is really interesting as well because I've noticed especially over the last few years more and more politicians are trying to weave into that magazine daytime world you'll see them on Loose Women you'll see them on This Mm. Morning they've been on Good Morning Britain you know they'll be on those conversational platforms where actually is less to do with having that typical stage presence of giving a speech to you know a, a, a real audience and it's more let me tell you a bit more about my family and my kids yeah, and yeah, my background. All those ways that soften. we relate, yeah, that, that softens it. And it actually is quite dangerous and scary because, as you were saying before, Dane, it's got all this political heavyweight bollocks behind it. Yeah. It's, it's veiled in such a palatable way for us all that suddenly, yeah. I mean, I've had it when I've interviewed when I've interviewed people and I've said, you know, when they were going through the last race between Rishi and, and Liz, um, what do you think of the two policies and who, I mean, it's, it's the Conservative Party, so it's not really mm. much change in policy, but um, who, if you could vote, who would you be going for? And one person I spoke to said, well, I've, I've seen Rishi on the TV quite a bit and, you know, he seems like a nice guy. I, I watched him, you know, he was having an interview the other day and he was just really relaxed and chill. So I feel like I know a bit more about him, actually. So I'd probably go for him. And if that's the what, do you know what I mean? So it just kind yeah, of feeds so, into so, that. Yeah, and that's the thing, yeah, because our, our uh, consumption, or I guess the, our, the presentation of politics as it exists now is more about populism. I mean, now because yeah. we've seen with the biggest hegemony in the world in, in America having four years of a populist president who really doesn't represent either side other than his own, people have seen how effective that can be and, and how much that yeah. works. And, and now media has fallen suit where, like, before you'd be able to plot where... 
uh, news stations kind of sat on the bipartisan political spectrum, but they've moved now where now you have news stations that are more dedicated to populism and more sensationalism. And I guess we're now more in an era of more propaganda than we are in an era of like yes. political discourse. And so, yeah. We'll be back after this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the show. Well, we're going to have to move on because we could talk about that one all day. Uh, but it's probably time for another question. But Michelle... Big respect for a good question, right? Great, there. great question. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it, Michelle. Cheers, guys, yeah, feel Thanks. free to put that on your. Um... Why couldn't you have been the Tory leader for fuck's yeah. sake? <laughs> did let, did and don't don't say you're not qualified, no. Michelle. Did let us down. Don't no say way. you're not qualified. Now, M- Michelle, my we question. We will deliver. Times <laughs> <laughs> three. Yeah. Rule of we, three is we it? will <laughs> deliver. Yeah, free ice cream on Thursdays. We deliver it to your house. That's that's, that's the one policy. But I know you lactose stain, but let's not go down there. Uh, okay, my question, Michelle. I very much enjoyed uh, hearing about you when we were introduced earlier. Um, and you're, one of the things you've been working on is a project uh, with, with, your, with your mother, right? Yes. Do you want to yeah. just tell the audience a little bit about that show, just so we just so they are up to date? Sure. Yeah, so it's a programme um, on BBC One. It's called Dirty Rotten Scammers. And essentially, it's about mum and I speaking to loads of people of all different ages who have been scammed, right? right. And it could be... Uh, an email that's been sent that they think is from their bank um, saying, you know, there's been fraudulent activity on your account. Mm. Get in touch with us. We'll sort it out. Next minute, they've got various bits of your information that they shouldn't have. They're taking money from your bank. And people have been defrauded from 500 pounds to 500,000. And, and mum and I basically have a really kind of open and honest conversation with people about mm. their online digital footprint. So they might not actually know that they've been um, in various data breaches and their mm. passwords have been leaked online. And we kind of present to them exactly what is right. out there on them. So their passwords that might be involved in a data breach or whatever. And how many um, episodes of this show have you done now of interest? Kind of- we did... Five- 15 episodes, 15, 45-minute episodes, yeah. And so I know you you must have spent a significant amount of time with your mother to make that programme. I did. I'm in my mum's house right now. Right. (laughs) I'm going to ask this question without knowing intimately about the relationship with your mother, but I can tell you from my perspective, if they want to make a fucking TV show of me and my mum, it ain't... I, I ain't even getting I, to the I, pilot. I, 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 I put it in my contracts that my mother can't even be on <laughs> yeah. set. So. How can you <laughs> cope? Your rider. Yeah, yeah, basically. How can you yeah. cope with spending so much? How does one, let's make it nice and general. How does one cope 
We're spending time with their mothers. Professionally. Well, and just and just generally as well, because yeah, like me, yeah. it feels like a job at times. It's an interesting question. I mean, Mum and I have always been very close. This And we'd done bits and pieces together on telly before, so we've kind of understood what our dynamic is. This was very different, right, because it was all filmed in Manchester, so we were filming together, staying together, waking mm. up in the morning, going for breakfast together and then doing it all over again. I'm not going to lie. It was intense. <laughs> um, That's very, very <laughs> diplomatically put. <laughs> it, was in te- it was intense. But you know what was really interesting? I was able to see my mum from like a different point of view. You know what it's kind of like in, in the media. You work with so many different people and some have bigger egos or less manageable egos than others for me it was actually quite refreshing working with someone that I know really well anyway so I know we might have a a bust up and we might have an argument (laughs) she might tell me to piss off and I might say the same to her but I know where I'm up to if I'm going to tell a bit different different to you Michelle you'll say it under your breath (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. piss off and leave me alone lady (laughs) what was that Michelle I said I'm going I'm going (laughs) I That's find my mother. What <laughs> yeah. I That's basically what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love my mother, right? I'd probably say more than. Well, she's definitely in the top couple of people in the world, right? She's brilliant. She drives me up the fucking wall at a level mm. I can't describe. Now, Dave, you know, I, I've noticed. Don't, uh, don't push me under this bus too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to talk about your sister. I know oh, your yeah. sister, you got, you know, I'm sure you're good, but, you know, there was a dynamic when I saw you guys do I was like. She definitely irritates this man. <laughs> okay. yeah. She irritates him. That's fine. But I think if I was twins, you know, okay, fine. Yeah. But my mum, she can turn up at my house and within the space of like three minutes, I'm already like, okay, mum, I'm just going to go in the next room. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not that. I, look, I, I'm quite a tolerant guy. I mean, I work with a lot of comedians, so yeah. it comes with the territory, you know? So it's like, I'm not, but she can just, ugh. Just like- it is, there is something with mums, though, that can do that. Like, I, I came to stay with my mum last night, and it's something that you can almost feel in your stomach, like, oh. Yeah. And it almost, it just makes me regress to, like, being a 10-year-old kid, because I'm like, what is it? What is it that you're doing? It's some kind of mystical power that's making me like, oh, God, mum, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. But my mum is such a talker as well that it was quite refreshing in a way working with her because I could just chill out for a bit. Well, she's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The contributors yeah, yeah. would come in and she's just like, bam, as soon as new people come into the room, she is on, 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 on and doesn't stop. But then it's funny because <laughs> at the end of the day, she'd be, <laughs> she'd be like, you know what, Michelle, I'm knackered. Yeah. I'm so tired. I'm like, yeah, mum. So, you know, when I finish work and then I come and see you and you're literally on, 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 on. Mm-hmm. Welcome to my world. This is how I'm feeling. And she was like, so, I don't, I don't, and she that. said, Michelle, I don't, I don't think I'm that bad. You know, it's very different when I do it. And then you were like. <laughs> okay, well. But the yeah, thing well, about mums <laughs> as well, and, I, I, you know, look, I, 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 I don't want to make it a, a gender thing, but it is, you know, there's very different characteristics in mums and dads, I think. And, you know, with my mum, like, her obsession with my happiness, my family's happiness, with my brother's happiness, everyone's happiness, it f- sends me fucking mad, mate. So, like, you know, honestly, it genuinely fucks Your me up. Your mum's what? Just too nice? Just too much love. Too much love, mum. Just fucking piking in. There, like, is, there is such a thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I scenario up in the other week, 
Well, uh, I've talked to Dane about this, but, you know, my son escaped from his car. We probably should deal with that on another episode. But, like, <laughs> it was a big thing, right? And I ended up having a couple of nights, Michelle, where, you know what, like, I was on, like, two or three hours sleep and, and a oh, bad gosh. two hours, right? And my mum, the next morning, when she called me up, she was just, like, almost like someone had fucking died. Like, and I was just, like, <laughs> just pack it up. Like, it's but, all right. Oh, because you didn't get a lot of sleep. Yeah, being honest, uh, okay, yeah, well, because yeah. there was a problem with the boy, and it's oh. like it's fine. Just we'll just deal with these things. You just deal with life's problems, right? But then, because the love from her is so intense, like yeah. so much love to give that she just it just oh, that's what happens to I think a lot of mums. Like I don't think that's unfair to say. I don't, dads can do that. But it's, mums have it at another it's, level. It's also it's also fear as well, Howard, because uh, your dad passed away quite young. Mm. So your mother is yeah, probably even is much that. more anxious and neurotic about the welfare. I mean, he was any, like that when he was alive. To any be man, fair as yeah, I know. Well. But now, long he's no longer he's no longer here to take the brunt. <laughs> so right, he, right, he's not here okay. to take the brunt oh, anymore. Yeah, yeah, so the, so the closest yeah. closest semblance of him that's left is yeah. both, is is his progeny. So yeah, yeah. She'll, like, she'll overdo. You know, it. I'm a grown man with children. And she's still buying me pants for Christmas. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love how you just admitted to that. I don't. I mean, like, I'll be honest. I'm wearing them now. I'm wearing them now. Yeah. But, uh, I don't so, buy pants so you because love of it. it. Yeah, yeah. You so, love it, but you hate it at the same yeah. time. And there's See, the that you kind of like right? that. Yeah. It's a thin. It's a thin line, and I think. I think. Uh, yeah. When I when I ponder it rationally, I do understand where it comes from, and I suppose you know it's the mark of a very responsible caregiver or a guardian, isn't it? That they are. Uh, cannot stop until they feel that you have the best tools that will adapt you to living in the world. And there might be some bio- something biological to that as well as psychological. That is like the best chance my offspring has of navigating this world and the better chance I give them, the better they'll be. But then I suppose, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of it. I think it's also purpose as well. I think, you know, when you raise children mm-hmm. and then your children go on to have children as well, you can worry that your role might become quite obsolete. So you'll try to hold on to that as much as possible. Yeah. Um, See, yeah. the thing is, I understand it. It's just my mother doesn't listen to me, so I understand I where she's coming. I understand, I understand where she's coming from, but it's just like it's like you know, if you listen to me, you'd know what I was saying. But it's uh, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, she just, just doesn't. She just doesn't listen to me. I think. I think. I get. I definitely see where Howard comes from, and I think that was the main thing I used to do with my mom when I was much younger. But I think the main frustration I have with my mother, uh, I've had with my mom, is just I just don't think she listens to me. I think if she listened, she'd. Uh, Understand? I'm probably I probably know a lot more than she thinks I do. And also, one more thing before we move on to Dane's question, which is, Mum, I'm not tech support. Do you hear me? I'm not here to solve all of the things that go wrong with the technology. I'm not. It's just not my job. Okay, I've got kids. I've got a job. I'm doing a podcast. You've got a life, but you are wearing her pants. But I'm I'm fine. I'm wearing her pants, but you know what? I'm not here to solve every problem that's on WhatsApp for you. I can't do it, Dave. You can't do it, but you're going to have to. Because, because, because. You you will do it. But at one point, at one point. Yeah, mum, I know how to solve that thing, mum, it's fine. At at one um, point, you were completely helpless and. uh, Some notifications. You had to depend on a mum, and so now you've got to do tech support for. Give him back. Until your son's old enough, and then you make him do it. That's how it works. No, really good point. This is how it passes along. Yeah, one last thing that really annoys me and my mum says it all the time she always says to cut a long story short (laughs) the story is never ever short I don't think it's I've never heard a short story she's never been short she's never done a short one a short story is called a sentence mum it's a sentence (laughs) a short story is a sentence or a paragraph mother when it goes over a paragraph then it's a story and stories aren't short she 
this is it. I need to, I just need to set you on. She knows. This is it. I think she knows because she says it when she's just gearing up for a long story. She's like, I'll just put this in at the start. And then she might think it's going to be short. I know. Yeah. It's well, she's, on for a very well, long time. You said it's a short story. What you're describing is a pilot episode from a box set. That's not a short story. It's still a <laughs> significant story arc there, mother. My mum's one is um, when, when she's not, when she's not sure about something, she's a bit concerned about it. She'll be like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll fucking see, Mum. Don't you worry about that. I can promise you, we'll see. As it sounds nice that you both have like little um, junctures in which you can actually speak. Cause, uh, I, yeah, because it sounds like at some point that there was punctuation or a full stop where you could uh, say it more stuff. I don't have that, and right. I, which means I know a lot about my family and my ancestors and a lot of my family tree. I'm very well versed in it, but where I sit in all of that or my opinion, no one has any idea. But. Uh, no, do you ever I, feel like you need to like, you know, do you do you ever get that moment where you can just get in there or do you get to a point where it's been going on so long, someone else speaking that you just think, I can't even be bothered now, even if they stop speaking, I can't be asked? That, that, that's normally what happens is that I get to the point where I'm at the point where this, my rebuttal was relevant. We passed that point uh, three paragraphs ago. So <laughs> well, let's just say, let's just end this question. Gonna, just going to dovetail it, just dovetail it and be like, deliver, deliver. <laughs> deliver <laughs> we're going to end this on, on a nice note and say because we all we all mean this I'm sure we lo- you know love you mum you know we, we, you love yeah, your mum don't you Michelle love you mum yeah yeah Dame, absolutely come on mate no I do love my mother but that's yeah. why I'm like don't give me a buck no buck <laughs> we're doing the nice bit because we just criticised for 15 minutes I mean I just uh, said she doesn't listen but yeah and she no she can listen to this about she, uh, 45 bet, minutes I, into I episode bet, 100 and whatever of, I bet she don't right. that's why I'm safe but if you just well, in case happens, you know, so, on, oh, yeah, or, or somebody snitches I do love you mum yeah. as you know good good uh, Dane love your question mate uh, we've gone through a lot today already where are we yeah. going to next I think oh, I'd just like to uh, bring it back to Michelle again as our very esteemed guest uh, who's had a very impressive and extensive and varied uh, career as a presenter um, so to keep it quite simple and ask you uh, if you were to present a uh, format or a vehicle doesn't matter if it's still in existence or fictional what would be your favorite show to present favorite show to present i i really enjoy live um mm-hmm. i enjoy live shows because you are so in the moment well i feel like i'm so in that present moment i can't be thinking about whether i've left the dishwasher on what i'm doing that evening and and be stressing about all all different kinds of things i used to present crime watch roadshow so that was um live in a different location every day and so my role on that was to like almost like go under the bonnet of the emergency services so i'd be with the rnli or the mountain rescue team or with the riot police in in gravesend in kent and i where i'd basically just be in every different type of helmet and they'd have me abseiling from the brecon beacons live with the mountain rescue team or being capsized in a boat with the RNLI. Um, but you were and they petrol bombed I mean, me once. <laughs> like, and they're trying to get rid of me. They're literally trying to drown me, throw me off a cliff, and then petrol bomb me. But it was amazing. Or make more work for I, themselves, I guess, just trying to keep their own jobs going up. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that show. One, as I say, because of live and being in the moment. Two, just getting the opportunity to really understand other people, their lives, their livelihoods, why they do what they do so I'd love to do more of that 
um, we're based in the studio with with Crime Watch now. But um, one thing that that was a very diplomatic and, answer there, by the way, Michelle. You could have just gone thanks. like. I want to host the Oscars. You know, that would have been... You could have gone yeah, there, but... You, I don't you, know if I do, you know. No, yeah, don't fancy it. I wouldn't want to do the Oscars I mean, anymore it's pretty either. violent nowadays, so, yeah. you know, you're going to... Don't want to get slapped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not yeah. just get slapped. Have people give a standing ovation to the person that slapped you. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely <laughs> yeah. wouldn't want to do the Oscars. I'd just, uh, fuck, nah. the, fuck the Oscars, man. It's not for me. No. Um, but also, mum and I... Um, so, my grandfather's Ghanaian, and I've got so... I've just got so many family members in Ghana and I'm embarrassed to say I've I've never been. Right. Um I'm kind of going through this phase at the moment of of being mixed heritage and not feeling like I know enough about one side of my um family. My grandfather's getting old now. He's he's not very well and it just regardless aside from TV it's something that I want to do just kind of discover my own identity a bit more, understand mm. a bit more about me, but also my how it's changed from um, my mum's generation and my granddad's generation. When he first came to the UK, God, over, what, 70 years ago now, and he married uh, a white woman, the two of them are kind of almost ostracised from you know, community and, and they had mixed race kids and mum talks so openly about their experience growing up in Manchester at the time, which where racism was rife. And um, the, we've got such a, like, there's so much within our family history and things that I just want to know more about. And I feel like I kind of owe it to my family and to myself and to just know more about your culture and your heritage. So that's, you know, understand. I talk about understanding people more. That, that comes with me understanding myself more as well, and to be, mm. be able to talk openly on a platform about that's important too. I think this sounds like a great show already. Is this a show? Is this is this a show that's a thing already? It's it's not a thing. It's something you know what it's like in telly day. Yeah, yeah, you're, absolutely. You're pitching things all the time. So how we'll is see. this not a thing already? I th- yourself, Colin Jackson, Rochelle Humes. They like the list is endless of people of dual heritage who'd want to be able to look at both sides. Mm. My friend Howard's a producer, yeah. by the way. Yeah, he's so, worth me mentioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Howard's also a producer. You might, you, might, you might already be talking to people about it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, that's, yeah, a, great, that's a great show. Yeah. But oh, like, thanks, guys. It's not. It. You know what it's like? You go re- do the rounds and it's like, uh huh, uh huh. And then it's like, no, sorry, it's just not what we're looking for. And it's kind of, it's hard to fit in someone's box when it's actually your life. Yes. Mm. You, yeah, can't, yeah. you can't just jazz it and. I mean, there's different formats you can put for something, but it, it is it, your life is what your life is, isn't yeah. it? Uh, but it's not gladiators, then. That wasn't. Apparently, uh, <laughs> 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 apparently, that's coming back. Gladiators is coming back. Gladiators is coming back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is... to me, that was the most exciting. John Fashionu. Oh my god! That on was gladiators amazing. was, was, it was, was amazing. Real... Apart from which is not just a gladiators thing, but it was basically an '80s thing when the first attempts at diversity was like you always had to make an adjectival uh, a name racism, yeah. for a black person so they had to be called Shadow or Nightshade or Rhino or Saracen <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or Panther and, Panther I was just yeah. going to say Panther or like in in, uh, in um, Top Gun you had Maverick and Iceman and then the black guy was called Sundown <laughs> uh, so oh yeah I think I think I just when it comes we'll be back be watching the names if you do present it Michelle like, and if they're like and then it's gonna be Shade you could just be like <laughs> No. Yeah. Raisin. Raisin. <laughs> our favourite Somali. Why? Our Somali, our Somali private. Ransom. Ransom. That's 
Very distasteful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this, who's getting cancelled tonight? Yeah, who's one of the lady gladiators? Treacle. Treacle? Because she's sweet and dark and deadly and things can get sticky with treacle. Demera. <laughs> I'm a Russian superstar. Yeah, it could get... Let's hope they. Let's hope they definitely have meetings about that uh, first. Oh, we look forward to that. I mean, I, 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 I did used to love fashion nights. I mean, to me, uh, and this is niche listeners, Dane, but like the greatest performance of a TV presenter in the history of television, at least British television, very different world in America, is the uh, nightclub comedian Les Dawson, who many listeners may not know who I'm talking about. The guy, if you go and look him up. This guy, he looked old in the 80s, so he'd been around a long time. And he hosted a show called Blankety Blank, right, where basically, I mean, it was, it was just, Blankety Blank's actually come back recently. Alan yeah. Carr has done a good job. Oh, of, yes, seen it, really. yeah. And it's a show where basically you're playing, uh, the contestant's playing, and you're going to base your winnings on whether or not the celebrities know the answers to the questions. Quite a simple premise. But by putting Les Dawson in that show... It was like he basically every time he went over to the the, the celebrity, he looked so fucked off because he knew that they were going to fuck it up every <laughs> single time. And, and, and because he was like a you know he was a northern smoking kind of like oh, yeah, know, yeah, kind of, that kind of guy. It was like it was just it seemed so out of place, so out of place to see him on Saturday night television. Like he'd been on like you know like ITV, you know eleven p.m. Friday night, you'd have been like, "Oh, this is a bit edgy." Like what, the dart, late dart, show, dart, like, yeah. late, late darts coverage. Yeah, like sound. late darts. Like, yeah, like bull, yeah, yeah. Like bullseye. Like looking at Bullseye now and Jim Bowen, you kind of go, well, "That's weird, isn't it?" But I guess darts was really big for a period of time. Jim Bowen was the kind of right guy. So to put, yeah, it just feels like to me, Les Dawson in that scenario is the craziest thing I ever saw, and uh, you know, that, the, one of the most memorable TV presenting things. Because I think it is fair to say, and this isn't being critical to TV presenters, but sometimes it's a bit, oh, it's generic TV presenting moment. Sometimes they don't have the character. They, they may well have, right? That It was yeah. ton, tons of character in Les Dawson. Fucking hell. It is getting those characters. And it's interesting how, you know, we're so focused on reality TV now. and But yeah. even within reality TV, it's, it's almost like another phase of bland because we know what to expect when we watch a Love Island or, you know, yeah. well, the Big Brother's coming back. That'll be interesting, won't it? It won't. No, it watching. won't. No, thank you for mentioning well, it. it won't. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how uninteresting it is because they had some previous winners on this morning. And I can't remember... Any of their names? Of... No, no, neither can we. <laughs> uh, I, I know one. Was... Kate, Kate Lawler. She was the winner. Kate Lawler. She was cool. Sh- was it Chantel or Chanel? Oh, she was the one that went into the celebrity one. Yes, I know. You, she had I know to you pretend mean. she was a pop star. It was um, Chantel. Shan- I think she was called she was, Chantel. It was Chantel. Hayes. Chantel, Chantel Hayes. Hayes because she ended up going out with the dude from the band, didn't he? Oh yeah. Um, yes, Preston. Yeah. Preston, yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. And then there was another guy. I think he was on the just the main series, Geordie guy. And he was saying, when Big Brother comes back, they need to mix it up in the sense that they need Frank, who works in the local chippy in Middlesbrough, yeah. to go in. And it's not about the concept of uh, how we make ourselves famous from a reality t- TV, yeah. you know, program. How many? 
Insta followers we're going to have and what campaign we're going to do with Boohoo or Pretty Little Thing or whatever else. It's like, you know, going back. I yeah. don't know how we create that's that. A, that's that's create- the problem, how we can go back, because once you, the format is in the hands of business, then obviously they're going to have different stakeholders. So, like, Big Brother yeah. was good because it started off as like kind of like a psychological experiment of how people would be. Exactly. Like, but then what happened was when it had higher ratings, then it becomes ratings-led. And what mm. most executives think is that the shittier the people are, the more people will like even hate watch them and get more ratings, which means we can then attract the advertisers like Boohoo and Misguided, who then in turn will give these said uh, reality stars these kind of deals. And so, you know, because I, I mean, I was surprised when I found out that like, Love Island has been going on for years and no one cared. Yeah. And then I guess somebody yeah. was like, why don't we make it look like porn, but with just a dialogue? And then they just started recruiting like either out of work pageant girls or like personal trainers to be on the show instead uh, a lot of the time. And. Yeah, and then these people won't turn it down either because if you are told that you can either go continue to work in a retail job in a satellite town in the UK or you can be best poised for an opportunity to make a six-figure salary, you're not really going to say no, especially now you're where it costs a living crisis, so it can be quite difficult. Exactly. Because Big Brother is almost like the inception of reality shows. And then from Absolutely, that, yeah. that the, the, the sensationalism of them, because it was like The Apprentice initially was for people that wanted to be, become interns or maybe start their own business, like people like Tim Campbell. And then it became for He's brilliant, yeah. Then it became for idiots who you'd punch in the face in a normal open plan for office anyway. So can't write a CV. Don't even know what a CV is. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so it's the wor- the worst of the wor- people. The worst of the worst. Like if you want to know what's wrong with British industry, then just watch The Apprentice and see these fucking morons with no transferable skills whatsoever. Basically, take the hot potato that is accountability and pass it around each other. For a whole episode, like hey, but don't they got great stage presence, mate? Am I right? Am I right? That's the thing. It's so confident. That's the thing. Is the confidence <laughs> in their stupidity that we all are like this is going to be such a good car crash? Yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's I just, people like hosting that, so you could present that as well. Yeah, but I always think this because I used to work in production before presenting, and uh, you know, talking about confidence and stage presence. You know, you go to so many pitching meetings as well within that within that world. And it takes someone to just almost have the confidence and vision to make that clean break. And when we talk about confidence, as we were saying before, have the knowledge behind them, know what they're talking about and be like, right, we don't. Obviously, it's a business. We all need to earn money, but this is where we can make a change. This is let's separate what we have been doing for what we can do let me entice you with this new idea that's going back to this or introducing this and it's just you know but well, that's the problem with the, the problem, we will get to that point. that's the thing the problem is nowadays is that i think i said the powers that be are now aware that they can achieve the same kind of if nothing else quantitative yes. results like they can get ratings or they can get retweets so they can get popularity in, in that respect yeah. if they are able to have this populist narrative which is only just to uh, engage people and not in the same way that, you know, influencers nowadays, like before, influencers, well, they have the position now that used to be the position of the artist or the creative. And what would happen is if you were good at something, then a byproduct of that would be you would get some notoriety or some profile and you'd also be able to make money from your talent. And obviously, powers that be recognize that that's fine. But if someone is a creative, they're going to have a certain level of discernment and they may talk about what they want or how they want their aesthetic to be realized. Whereas now you have influencers who just like celeb- celebs now. Like a celebrity used to be a byproduct of, of you, you became famous because you were good at something. And they took that and they distilled it and took the celebrity part where you can just be famous for the sake of being famous. Now, the thing about being famous for the sake of being famous means that someone could take that away from you. And mm. so it means you'll probably do whatever to maintain your level of profile because you can't fall back on like a talent. 
and yeah. influencer has extended on that even more whereby if you have a democratic space of opinions like social media where anyone can say what they want and which includes the risk of cancellation or good or bad opinions it means that people can provide a rebuttal and also can have open dialogue with people they wouldn't normally have it like with politicians which is probably why now you've seen the proliferation of influencers because they don't really influence anything that has any actual impact and they've yeah. been, and it's very clear that they've been put in that position for a reason whereby they most influencers nowadays like can you think of anything they influence other than purchases no well the influencers are being influenced by yeah. the big businesses well, they, it's, it's the other way around they're, isn't hu- they're it? just human billboards that's how an influencer yeah. works now is that now you especially because if you look like somebody who comes from a more modest background that doesn't have a distinct talent and you get to realize a certain level of of fortune you're, it's much easier for people to project their ambition onto you because it's like, well, if you can become famous and get it, like imagine you've never done exercise your whole life and you do a reality show, now you've got a fitness DVD. Now, you don't actually do any exercise, you probably get a personal trainer or you use Photoshop and then people go, well, if that person who comes from the same humble background <laughs> as I can do it. Yeah. So it's much easier. So again, it's like, it does go back to kind of the, uh, how you're able to, pre- so it's more who's, how it's presented to people nowadays yeah. is uh, the more relatable um, someone is but the problem is that the level of relativity always comes from uh, mediocrity well I, we've covered an incredible amount in today's episode Dane I mean that's that's been a it's been a big presentation a big presentation and Michelle has been at the heart and centre of yeah. that presentation and mum too if she's around I'm sure she can hear <laughs> she, she's, she's not here she's not actually in the room but she's a surprise she, she'll, she'll know and when she looks back <laughs> She'll know that I was on her side, so that's how that works. So thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on the show, Michelle. You've been a great guest. Absolutely, Michelle. I've loved it. It's been a real pleasure. Please let our listeners know where they can find out where you are at the moment, where you'll be, and where you've been, and what they should look for. Gosh, well, in all of October, I will be um, hosting Crime Watch Live in. Cardiff um, but you can follow me on Instagram just search my name Michelle Ackley and I will pop up um, and yeah keep you abreast of everything on Twitter as well uh, at Mish Ackley yeah. oh well, we'll do that now then oh, uh, I'm thanks, already guys. I'm already doing it me not yeah fra- we're, we're already not following fragging, each other. just saying <laughs> <laughs> well thanks again Michelle and uh, good luck for that endless time you spend with your mother uh, tell, her, <laughs> t- you. tell her we said hi Oh, 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 he's worried now. Jake's worried. I'm worried. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTiste and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DVQE Podcast, and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.